This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm Sean Anderson, Most Valuable Podcast, and I'm It is Dave Elster. Hey, everybody. And we are here to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers, where Jake is going to be calling in on the next two segments, which should be fun, so stay tuned if you are on YouTube. Check those out tomorrow, or if you're watching the full podcast, what's well, up? If you're on Blog Talk Radio, listen, because Jake's going to be coming on a Patreon of ours. He talks Lakers and Clippers with us. We recorded it, and it was a great job. It was um, a fantastic it was, segment. It was super fun, so yep. if you see us, um, if you're on YouTube, YouTube with headphones. That's why, but it was absolutely fun, so go watch those. Um, and then after that, we're talking the injuries. Gordon Hayward, um, Jeremy, Dunn, Lin. Jeremy Lin out for the season, and then Chris Paul out for two to four weeks. We're yep. going to talk about the severity of those, and then we're also going to be talking about Giannis because he's a monster, but we're going to introduce something new. First week of the regular season, we're going to be talking about some damp dudes, some soggy shooters, some perspirating people, and we're talking about some moist men. This is Wet Boys. A new segment where we are going to be talking about each week a player that absolutely went off in the first week of the NBA, or at least every single week. Every so every single week, this is yep. going to be a, a recurring podcast segment that we talk about a guy who just went completely off. We we always wanted to do segments like this. We did Demar, Anthony Davis, and uh, was it Russ last year? Yeah, and we, we kind of so. debated them, but we really couldn't incorporate the, that into a segment every week. Now we're going to do it with Wet Boys. So um, we're going to be bringing a guy that really went off each week and, and had a fantastic week and we're talking about them and this is going to be the way that we can talk about guys that absolutely went off because yeah. sometimes you guys props like, well, when they're due yeah and you sometimes you guys talk about you, you bring up guys who just went off you're like talk about them well we can't because it's not something that's going to last but now wet boys is going to be a reoccurring segment and we're going to have probably a wet boy of the year uh, oh with, i think we with, have to with a guy that we have um, to give him a trophy or something but i'm saying that uh, like with how many wet boys you can have we could refer to these guys like oh he's a two-time wet boy winner Ooh, i like that so like these that. are our wet boys of the week dave you're gonna get us started with your wet boy sure my wet boy is and of course these are after pretty much one to two games of playing yeah through the time of recording just well, so you guys are aware mine, mine's after one game i think mine's after one as well yeah yours is a one game uh, so. i'm going with christos porzingis the unicorn uh phenomenal performance to kick things off uh, 31 points, 12 boards, assist, a block. Basically, this man is the New York Knicks. Uh, enough said, really. I, I loved what he put out there because it was the question of, you know, without Carmelo Anthony, what can you do? And what he can do is everything he can lose they to need. Carmelo. He, he can lose to Carmelo. Let's, uh, let's, let's just jump over that one. Look, Brody was the easy pick this week, and I feel like I want to I wanna go out and venture on somebody who a lot of people are questioning, you know, can he do it on his own? Mm-hmm. What can this Knicks team do? And the answer is Porzingis can absolutely lead a team. He can absolutely be the number one scorer. He is playing with great energy. I, I think he's... he's Honestly, proving the point of he can take that next step because his rookie year to his second year, there was a slight improvement, but honestly, it wasn't what people were expecting. Now, I'm going to see him be, can he be a 25 point, uh, 25 point a game score for the entire season? Yeah. I think so. I think we could be seeing something special. Well, he was super efficient too, 44% from the field, 33% from three. I mean, Chris Stapps had a fantastic game, and I hope really for the best for Chris Stapps because he's such a fun player to watch. When Absolutely. he's healthy and he's going, he is amazing. I mean, he, he's, he's great defensively too. He can really just stuff the lane. Yep. Um, you look at his ability just with the ball and at his size at 7'3", I mean, he's just ridiculous out there, and he's super fun to watch. So hopefully Chris Stapps is going to be a recurring wet boy because he's, he's absolutely Fingers fun crossed. to watch. It was great in that Thunder game. But we're going to go over to the other side, even though they played in OKC. We're going to the other <laughs> side. You talked about New York. I'm talking about LA, uh, about LA, but not about the team that you're thinking about. We're not talking about the LA Clippers. or the LA Lakers. We're talking about the LA Clippers. I'm fucking it up. We're talking about the Clip Show. Pat Bev setting the tone against the Los Angeles Lakers. LeVar Ball didn't even know who Pat Bev was before this game. I knew who he was because I'm a basketball fan. Dave knew who he was. Yep. You knew who he was because you guys watch basketball. You watch the NBA. Pat Bev last year, 2017, All-Defensive Player of the Year, set the tone against Lonzo and knocked Lonzo Ball around. It was awesome to see, and I'm not rooting against Lonzo Ball at all. I'm not. You made me a smidge. I'm not. I'm, I'm honestly not. I, I hope the best for Lonzo Ball. He's a fun player to watch. He absolutely is. Yeah. With his ability to play make, he's a fun player to watch. He has a wonky-ass shot. I don't like his dad. But as a player, he seems like a nice kid. He seems like a kid that was put in a great situation. And, and his dad might be crazy in the media, but he did put his kid in, 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 a, in a nice situation going to UCLA and getting in the NBA. But outside of that, Pat Bev set the tone, knocked around LeVar, LeVar Ball's <laughs> kid, um, and absolutely made... LeVar, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Lonzo looked crazy. So we're looking at this, and, and Pat Bev coming over to the Clippers made this Clippers team look like a, a different team. We talked about this with Jake, but I'm looking at this team, and, and there's something that 
with the Clippers, they don't really bring like every other team. You look at the Golden State Warriors and uh, the, the Rockets, they bring shooting, they bring you know high tempo pace. You look at the Oklahoma State Thunder, they have three stars there. But you look at the Los Angeles Clippers, they have two big dominant de- de- uh, bigs down mm-hmm. there with Blake and DeAndre. They have a great scorer in Danilo. They have great scorers off the bench, Austin Rivers and, and, and Lou Will. Yep. Um, but they have these two guards in Milos and Pat Bev. And the combo of those two are, is something that I'm really going to be interested to see how they grow. Because Pat Bev, like I said, set the tone defensively, set the tone physically. And then with Milos, and he's your boy. He is he, my boy. He struggled a little bit in that first game, but I think that he can be a guy that can really take the playoffs, uh, to the Clippers to the playoffs. He dished out some dimes. Got to give him his respect. That's only a six. Thing. I mean, only six, but that's not bad for uh, for his first game in the NBA. I mean, come on, he's 30 years old. He, yeah. And that's the thing. Like He's 30 years old. He needs time to adjust. Uh, These young kids need some time to <laughs> he adjust. He needs time to adjust. But no, I mean, all respect due to Pat Pep. I think this was a standout game for him, standout week, hopefully, as it continues on. The, the big thing with him, you know, was kind of setting the tone for this new new look Clippers team. Honestly, it's a much more well-rounded team without Chris Paul. Sounds weird to say, but I honestly think if you could duct tape, you know, Milos and him together, you'd have the perfect point guard. But in the meantime, on his own, not too shabby at all. And I, I love the intensity. Yeah. You're right. Not knocking Lonzo on his ass is going to be a. It's on the ESPN, it's on SportsCenter. We're going to see it all year. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. And it's going to be fun to see Pepev and the new Clippers yep. show what they can do. But tell us in the comments down below who your wet boy of the week is. Hopefully this actually sticks on, because it's a stupid name it for is. a segment. But it is. We're having fun here. And moving on, we are going to jump into the Los Angeles Clippers, and we want to mention and, and welcome one of our patrons and loyal subscribers. We're going to mention. We're going to welcome in uh, Jake on the phone. Jake, you there? How you guys doing? Holy crap, that's hey. so cool. Oh my god, it's working. First time we're doing this. <laughs> uh, we're doing pretty decent. Nikola Vucevic just dropped 41 points uh, prior to this recording, so uh, Nikola Vucevic showing that he's the number one in the NBA. Absolutely. Straight up? Jesus. Straight up um, for Draymond. But we're going to jump into the first topic. Jake, I want to talk about the Lakers and Clippers game from Thursday. And we're going to jump into it. Clippers won 108 92. And we're going to jump into the Clippers side first. And looking at our predictions, at least on the fast break side, the Clippers were, at least I was the only team, the person that picked the Clippers to make the playoffs. Um, and I base this around the fact that Blake Griffin's still a great player. Um, DeAndre Jordan, you know, while he is very one-dimensional, he's very good at what he does. And also Pat Bev can bring kind of tenacity defensive, defensively, and Milos can bring a lot of, you know, posh and, and, and Crafty spice passing and, and, and uh, yeah, and crafty offensive passing. looks. So, Jake, looking at this, did you have the Clippers as a playoff team going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I thought they would be like a 5-8. Like a to eight. I didn't think they would be probably not even a 5, probably like 6-8. to eight. But I think like the overlook piece a lot with their team is Gallinari, and I think I don't think Gallinari is a one score, maybe even a two, but he can, he gets hot at random times during the season. Like I remember when he first came over in the uh, mellow trade for the Knicks, he was like one of the biggest pieces in the entire trade. And he was supposed to like almost carry the franchise, which obviously he can't carry an entire franchise, but mm-hmm. he definitely, I think he still can put up 15 to 18 points a game. I mean, he didn't look really good yesterday. Yeah. The poor shooting night, but yeah, and I think that's yeah. something where you look at the you look at his poor shooting. I think that's going to settle in because Milos didn't have a great night a, as well. Um, but looking at Gallinari and, and talking about that overlook piece, because I think you bring up a great point. You know, last two years, average around nineteen and eighteen. I think he could still do this on this Clipper team. I mean, Blake obviously took the front and, and the load of that offense last night, mm-hmm. putting up twenty nine points. Uh, DeAndre did his thing, grabbing twenty four boards. But at least one thing that I want to bring up and ask you, Dave, mm-hmm. is: Do you think that not only Gallinari but kind of these bench pieces can be enough? For this team, because you look at it, obviously Lou Will was a, a guy who competed for the six man yeah. last year. You look at um, Wesley Johnson's been decent. Austin Rivers had a terrible night, but do you think the bench is deep enough for them to kind of make a playoff run? Yeah, I think it is. It's a good balance because you have those guys who can pop off on any given night between Austin, Lou Williams. Both of those guys I have faith in. I don't think they're going to be like cold all. I mean, it, it was one game. I'm not going to extrapolate too much out of it, but both of those guys have proven that they can go off. Austin Rivers had the one month of extremely great success at the end of last year. Lou Williams, consistently an amazing bench score. Pat Beverly, phenomenal game. I think uh, showing everybody that you know he's not just that one defensive, uh, one-dimensional defensive player. He really is an all-around great point guard. Milos changing up. I think I think they have enough playmakers with the ball in their hand to make this work. The question with this with the Clippers always comes back to Blake Griffin's health. Blake Griffin has been a great player at times. But it's at times, it's not the whole season because he always gets injured. Yeah. So it's hard to say one game, I'm locking him in the playoffs, but he's one for one. You know, give him his credit. He, he was 
definitely looked better than I expected without Chris Paul out there to direct traffic. Yeah, and you that look, was surprising. You look at a stat line, 29 points. I know that's obviously more to, to a game than a stat line, but 29 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. If he does that for you, he's going to be uh, a force out there. And yeah. if he brings that to you, he's, he's easily number one. But Jake, I want to go to you because you mentioned in the DMs that were going back and forth, and you also mentioned it um, when we hit, hit you up before we started recording, that you weren't a big Blake fan, but this game kind of changed your mind. What was it about this game that kind of brought you over to the Blake side? Yeah, I mean, he was always like that. I, like, I always thought he was good, but I didn't think he was like a superstar. Like, I, But I thought he was always like one-dimensional. But a couple of years ago, he started out like adding a mid-range jumper. And then yesterday, he was three of six from three. I mean, I don't know where that came from. But <laughs> he also was he was handling the ball more. Like He was literally taking ISO situations during the game. Like I didn't expect that at all, to be honest. And if he can continue to do that for the rest of the season, I don't see why not they can't make the playoffs. Yeah, and looking at looking at Blake and kind of going off your point and, and at least talking about his ability ISO. I mean, he is you know at least when he came out uh, back in two thousand nine, he was one of the most athletic players in college, and, and yeah. he, he he went oh, number yeah. one for yeah. a reason. I mean, Blake Griffin coming out of college, he was fantastic. Kind of to to, to Dave's point, um, he just was never healthy enough, never been healthy enough, um, at least to be that player consistently. And I mean, he came in averaging twenty two points per game, playing thirty eight minutes, playing a whole season um, in his rookie year, and yeah, he had to take a lot of that load early on, but he put up a stat line of 22, 12, uh, three assists and around like a block and a half a half a block and about a steal a game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Blake, you know, obviously has the health concerns, but I feel like, you know, obviously showing what he did early on in his career without Chris Paul, doing what he did with Chris Paul, then kind of like you said, Jake, developing his game, I think that Blake Griffin probably has been overlooked and, and one of the most overlooked players for a yeah. while because... I think we look at our uh, power forward rankings coming into this year. I think he was really low. I think you guys had him below Kevin Love. Yeah, um, well, I, Kevin I was. Love. I, no, Kevin that, Love is my two man now. To be fair. What do you mean? Uh, uh, for power forward, I think Kevin Love was my like, second best power forward. Oh, okay. So Blake was still top five, but I think he does kind of get mixed in that mush because it was it was always Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. It was that three man squad was the Clippers' identity for so long, and yeah, I I think we probably did overlook him, but I think it's a weird case of like addition through subtraction with this Clippers team, by removing Chris Paul and adding in a couple more role players, um, you're able to see more out of Blake Griffin. You're able to see more out of DeAndre Jordan and stuff that we haven't gotten to see from Blake in years. um, I'm hoping to see consistently this year, like you said, him being more dominant, running the ISO, being able to be more ball dominant. And I'm excited for that because it's something that, you know, we hadn't really seen. Now he, we had another shooter on the outside with Danilo. Like this seems like a really balanced team on paper and they've got some excellent bench scoring. And honestly, I think it's just a weird, well-rounded way that they changed their team from, you know, Chris Paul focused. I want to say focused, but the ball ran through Chris Paul. The offense mm-hmm. ran through him. And all yeah. of a sudden, now you have this balanced attack where one through five, you feel really good about it. Jake, did you want to mention something about that? Well, I was just agreeing. Yeah, I mean, I think they were extremely lucky because Chris Paul literally could have just left them. But instead, they got, I don't know, I don't even how many players it was. They got... Well, uh, I mean, they, yeah, they got they, yeah. they got Pat Bev, they got Decker, uh, uh, Harold. They got from them, and then I think uh, Lou Will. Did Lou Will come over in that trade, or they just not, they said no, they got Lou Will. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure which one that was. And then Pat Bev. Yeah, I mean, they got about five or six players uh, in that trade, and it was, a, it was a brilliant trade from Jerry West. I think that's something that you know uh, we we mentioned Doc Rivers, Rivers struggles at least with the Clippers and not being able to get over that hump. Yeah. Um, but I think bringing in Jerry West is something that I think is probably going to be. Underlooked. I think it's the reason why they're going to make the playoffs because Jerry West kind of changed the culture in Golden State. Obviously, they were, you know, they still had the players there. I mean, Steph right. was still there, Clay was still there, and Draymond was still there when Jerry West came over. But he really took them to the next level along with Steve Kerr. And I feel like Jerry West might not be able to do that to the same level as Golden State, obviously, but I think he could at least take them to, you know, remaining a consistent playoff team. And one thing that I saw with the Clippers is they have the ability, at least what we saw in that first game against the Lakers. And the Lakers are a young team. The Lakers are kind of a, a weaker team just mm-hmm. physically. Might be a little I mean, punching bag. Yeah, I mean, physically, they, they, they're a weaker team out there. Brandon Ingram's a stick. Lonzo's a stick. <laughs> uh, Brooke Lopez for a big. He's, you know, jelly out there. Um, <laughs> but still, I feel like the Clippers can kind of have an identity where they are at least physical because DeAndre's a force. Blake's a force. Pat Bev showed that he's a force defensively mm-hmm. and can at least kind of, you know, trash talk up and down. Do you see that, Jake? Do you think that you know maybe the Clippers won't take exactly a Memphis role, but they will probably be a better Memphis and what Memphis has been to the NBA and at least the Western Conference? I mean, yeah, I kind of, I kind of could see it. I mean, they're definitely going to be. Am I just off my rocker? <laughs> you can I tell mean, if he is. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I could kind of see it. I don't really see it because obviously the Grizzlies always had a good guard like Mike Connolly to play. I don't really think they have a Mike Connolly level guard. Mm-hmm. 
But I do think Blake Griffin is way better than Zach Randolph. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's about, a fair assumption. I don't know about. Yeah, I don't know about Jordan and Gasol, but I Jordan's a lot more one-dimensional. But yeah, I mean, I don't even. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I see the Grizzlies. All right, yeah. that's fair. Maybe I'm off my rocker. I, th- I think you're maybe maybe stretching a little thin. Okay, because well, this is a team that. Here's the thing with the Grizzlies. It was, I was at least thinking physical team. The last physical yeah. team we had in the Western Conference yeah. was the Grizzlies, and I, I just think that you know exactly not spitting image because you know no, at least they're, they're physical, they're intense, and that's why I like is they play up for that game. You could tell Pat Bev went yeah. out there on a mission, yeah. and I mean not only did he but everyone on the court for the Clippers raised the level of intensity. They went out there to prove a point to really show something, and honestly, I even saw defense out of guys like I didn't expect to see that level of defense. Uh, the the thing for me is just, you know, if they do, if they are that physical, the th- the question then becomes, you know, is that play style going to work for them against the top teams in the West? Mm-hmm. Can this compete? Because like you said, they went up against the Lakers in that first game. Lakers are obviously expected to be to be like probably a bottom three team in the West this year. So it's what can they do against playoff teams? And that's where do you think this team will land against those kind of teams? Well, and not only playoff teams, but also like teams like the Pelicans because that's a playoff team. <laughs> but yeah. at least, thank you, Jake. Um, Dave, I don't know what Dave's been smoking with the Pelicans, but uh, but but looking at the Pelicans, at least like more of a physical team where you look at Demarcus and, and Anthony Davis, it's going to be interesting to see what Blake and DeAndre can do. I think that at least what the the Clippers are going to do against top teams like the Rockets. Um, Warriors and Thunder are, are going to go inside, and they're going to try to beat them up, and they're going to use Blake. and And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Draymond plays Drake. Uh, no, Draymond <laughs> plays Blake, and I'm mixing up, I'm you know combining those guys. Um, and and how you know the the Rockets kind of handle that if they're just going to push the tempo and try to tire those guys out. And then okay, see you know Melo isn't a stalwart down down right. low. I mean right. you, you could you could abuse Melo um, at least at that four position if if he's on. Um, Blake, so I think it's going to be interesting. I think that they're going to play physical against them, and I think they're going to play physical against a lot of teams. But even then, they can kind of yeah. switch it up. And, and I think you can bring this back up, Jake, is with the Gallinari situation, and at least with their bench. You look at Rivers, you look at um, Lou Lou Will, Will. Yep. Um, and you look at Sam Decker. These are kind of guys that are quicker players, uh, up tempo players, guys that have played on the Rockets before. I think that they have a kind of a nice mixture between force. And then also at least a bit of speed out there. And that's right, what I really like about to mix. Players. On the yeah. other hand, you have Wes Johnson still, and that's the thing I like. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, don't, I, I, <laughs> I don't know about think, Wesley Johnson. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I think he still he's, provides he's right. some some quality off the bench. Yeah, he's all right. I, I think that the one guy that you, I'm surprised you didn't mention, Dave, was uh, was Thornwell. But uh, I love Thornwell, but it it's his first year. I know he's older than every other rookie, but it, it's his first hey, he year. Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> can't argue with that. <laughs> one for one at three points. Uh, <laughs> to wrap this up, Jake, you're you're on board with the Clippers and the Clip Show making the playoffs, right? Yeah, they're out in the first round, but they're in the playoffs. Hey, I'll take it. We got one in. Dave, are you taking? Are you, are you buying in the Clippers as a playoff team? Not yet. One out of one for Blake. I'll give him his credit. Uh, but I, there's a lot more games. There's 81 more to go this year, That's and if true. he plays in more than 70 of them, yeah. I think Blake's going to get more than 70. I think that the, the Clippers can be a playoff team. I think Blake. Now, and DeAndre has shown that they can go physical on teams. I think Pat Bev brings that as well. But then, you know, like we kind of brought up in this, Milos kind of brings some skill and some speed. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam Decker kind of brings some speed. Um, Austin Rivers brings some speed, and Lou Will brings some speed. So I think I think that they can switch it up on, on teams. I think that they're pretty, you know, fundamentally sound mm-hmm. as well. I think that's something that really plays into their favor. Um, but Jake, we're gonna have you stick around. We're gonna go to the Los Angeles Lakers. But first, let you let us know what you think in the comments down below. But moving on, we are going to touch upon the Lakers. And you're probably like, why are you guys wearing headphones? We got Jake. On the phone, Jake sticking around after the Clipper conversation. He's going to be talking about the Lakers with us. If you didn't join us with the Clipper conversation, uh, Lakers lost to the Clippers on Thursday night, 108-92. And the big story is that um, nobody knew who Patrick Beverly was before this game. Uh, Jake, did you know who Patrick Beverly was before this game? No, not at all. Did, did he yeah. play basketball? Like <laughs> who, base, baseball? Hey, I think I mean, he was playing in China last year. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, might have been China. Levar Ball saying that nobody knows who Pat Bev was, but if you actually watch basketball, Levar Ball, he's pretty well known. Um, but we're gonna jump in and at least talk about um, the guy who Pat Bev was manhandling. I think his name's Lonzo Ball. Um, Lonzo Ball absolutely shut out pretty much in his game and uh, his debut. Three points. He had nine rebounds, four assists. 
and had two turnovers um, and a block and a steal too. But overall, Lonzo wasn't effective. And I think uh, at least Pat Bev kind of introduced something to Lonzo Ball, which was trash talking and physical play. Because we saw, at least in the NCAA tournament, De'Aaron Fox was able to use his speed and beat Lonzo. But Jake, seeing the physical play, how long do you think that it will take Lonzo Ball to adjust kind of to the physicality of the NBA play? Because he really hasn't seen that because college they weren't as physical. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Even, I wouldn't judge it too hard off of one game because I mean, Patrick Beverly is one of the best defenders I think in the game. Mm-hmm. And but I, I think it'll probably take him. I mean, I don't know how long. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Who Do you think it's going to take a whole? Right? Yeah, they're, they're playing the Suns. So I mean, that's that's kind of a. He, should, a, a he soft should be one. on the same level. Yeah, He's pretty he much the same age as the entire Suns roster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, they I got mean, a, they got a field trip advisor. Their mom signed <laughs> off. I mean, it usually. <laughs> It usually takes rookies a good amount of time to get used to the NBA play style. I just think with all the hype that was built up with them, people expected way too much. So you, I think th- you guys touched on that a while ago. But, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't think he'll be – I never really was on the Lonzo hype train. I never thought he'd be like Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he'll be a good NBA point guard. But, I mean – Do you think we're going to see like the um, all-star break turnaround kind of usually the last couple of months of the year we see like – what the rookie really can do. Do you think it's going to take him that long or may, maybe even longer to build up? Because it seems like it's a uh, almost a body size issue with him, how undersi- like under... He's skinny. Muscled yeah, he is, skinny. I guess. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's still bigger than Brandon Ingram, but he's still skinny. <laughs> well put. Um, at least... I mean... Yeah, go ahead, Jake. I, all right. I, I mean, I think... I think he'll get used to it eventually. I mean, I think it's the same. I was watching Marco Fultz earlier today, and I think it's the same thing. Marco Fultz has been blocked like into the crowd like four different times already. I think it's just, it's just, it happens with every rookie. I think people are just overreacting because it's Lonzo. So you're saying that Lonzo Ball isn't a top ten point guard, which is crazy to say that no. a rookie coming in already isn't a top point guard. <laughs> Thanks, rookie. Yeah, he had him ranked higher than the number one overall pick, but it's all right. Um, but. Dave, going to uh, kind of what, what, what off Jake said and, and with expectations, because yeah. you know saying that they were set too high. I mean, that's pretty fair. I mean, yeah. Lonzo coming in was, you know, kind of put as the savior of the Lakers. What do you think the expectations for Lonzo Ball should be at least for him right now, Dave? Uh, for this year, I think I think for the early couple months, it is going to be pretty conservative. I think if you can get you know like ten four four probably is is probably the average what you expect. I mean, he'll have nights where he pops off, obviously, but I think conservatively, 10-4-4 is, means you're getting involved, you're at least hitting a couple shots, you're getting everybody else involved. He's very active around the basket, which is good. Um, he's very helpful when it comes to rebounding. Honestly, for me, it's it, the, the biggest thing I saw was when he got bodied by Beverly. Um, yeah. It was just straight-up size and muscle, and he wasn't expecting it. Like there, there was a sense of, like if he was paying attention, I don't think he would have had that problem, but... Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to take a whole off season, basically, of, or a whole season of him building up physically. And I think I do expect to see like that little twist at the end of the year, like when he starts to look legit. I think by like you know February, a little bit, little little end of February start, we'll start to see some really nice games out of him uh, consistently. But I think the expectations are really high for him, and it's it's his dad putting the pressure on him as well as. You know, all the media, everybody in the yeah, league. It's the so, second largest media market in the league. And he US. got handed the keys to the Lakers, day yeah. one. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and Jake, kind of going off Dave, I mean, he, he threw out a stat line that are of 10 4 and 4. Do you think it should be based off a stat line, or do you think it should just be more how he looks out on the court and how he adjusts to the game? I mean, the stat line is pretty fair. I think scoring is the big thing with him because we know he can pass, we know mm-hmm. he can rebound. I mean, the passing is all dependent on his teammates. That's a whole different issue. But he, I don't think, like, the whole thing with him is he doesn't have a very quick first step. And he's not going to body you back to the basket. Like, I don't know. And his jump shots just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's wonky. Just, yeah. Yeah, it's wonky. And I just don't see a he, He's going to have to focus on one of them and just improve point by point, like year by year. Like, he's not going to be a, I don't think he'll ever be a 20 point a game scorer. Mm-hmm. But if you could ever, it, I, don't, I don't think he will be. But if you could get 10 out of him out of his rookie year, I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, I, I think tens. I think if he's going to really shine in any statistical category, it's going to be rebounds, as, as he's shown, yeah. um, at least in, in his debut. Because, I mean, he isn't a big guy, but he is at least quick going to the basket. He's got long arms, and he can at least tack the ball. And, and, and bringing up the court, he's got great court vision. Um, but, I, but I agree with you. I think, I think that the wonky shot definitely needs to be fixed, and that was the biggest thing and the biggest reason why I didn't like him coming out of college that much. Yeah. Um, but we yeah. see the natural playmaker. We see the natural leader. We see the natural scorer out there. But one thing that really did worry me was at least the physicality. Because I, I agree with you, Jake, that you know it's something that guys do develop and, and kind of get used to at least the more they play out there. But I just feel like when they body him like that and with the size that he is, 
Um, I feel like they can get into his head. And he really didn't have an answer for any of the trash talking Bev was throwing out there. He didn't have any tra- you know, answer for him on the court as well. I just feel like he can get at least in his head early because he is so young. I think it's going to be something that hurts him a little bit. I think he's going to be able to get over it for sure because Luke Walton's going to yeah. be able to help him progress. Brooke Lopez is going to be able to help him progress. We saw Brooke Lopez come to at least the defense of him, um, throwing a huge block at, yeah. uh, or at least you know, huge pick, also a block, <laughs> at, at Pat Bev. But I think it's going to be something that takes a while for him to uh, adjust to. Um, but at least going off Lonzo because, again, it's one game. We can't judge him off one game. He's probably going to look pretty decent against the, against the Suns tonight as well. Um, but moving forward from Lonzo, going to a second-year player in Brandon Ingram, a guy that we have higher expectations for, a guy that we thought is probably middle of the pack to lower 20s starting small forward, but even then uh, a fairly you know, highly ranked small forward, had a pretty rough night shooting, to put it lightly, 3 of 15 yeah. from the field. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Brandon Ingram? Because I know Dave's a big fan of Brandon Ingram. What are your thoughts on, on Ingram kind of to set the scene? I saw uh, it was a picture, and it said, it's like you're playing 2K, and instead of, instead of uh, increasing your attributes, you spend all your uh, VC on tattoos. Brandon Ingram. <laughs> I, uh. I mean, I think he's going to be a good player again. I just he can't shoot right now. I don't understand. Like he could shoot in college. Mm-hmm. He could even shoot a little bit. I, I, it might have just been an off game. That's what I'm thinking. But he just he should be a good player. I mean, he's a freak of nature. His body just needs to add some. He just needs to eat some burgers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's 190, same as Lonzo right now. Jesus. <laughs> he's the same weight as Lonzo. Yeah. Oh, my God. 6'9 six, to 6'6. Six, six. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Ingram. Um, offensively, I don't know if he'll ever be your one. I, th- I think that's the concern. I think he's uh, going to grow into a good two-way player. I think just natural size is on his side. And like you said, it's, it's as soon as you... Uh, start building up some muscle. And you got to remember, like, these kids are still, like, you know, 20. They're, I think he's, what, 20? Mm-hmm. Maybe turning 21 this year. He's 20, turned yeah. 20 in September. Oh, that's right. He just had the birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- he's still got time. It's it's just, I think, very hard for a young player with his size to learn how to use it. And, like, I, I think we were talking about this a little um, in the preseason. Like, his shot had changed multiple times last year. Um, he never hit a consistent stroke with it. So I think... Again, finding his shot, building a little confidence, and that's going to go a long way. But honestly, they've got a great young pairing. It's just it's so early on for them. I don't know what to expect out of him other than a pretty decent defender right now. But he's not a reliable scorer. He's not someone I'm going to dish the rock to. Mm-hmm. Like that, That's my problem right now with this Lakers team is I see Lonzo trying to get assists, but like... Who's going to put it in other than Brooke? Well, and, and Jake, I want to go to go to you on this because we talk about Lonzo kind of struggling with his shot, trying to you know sh- struggling with his size and not really being uh, a reliable scorer early. Dave bringing up the fact that um, you know Brandon Ingram probably this year is not going to be a reliable scorer. Who do you think is going to do the ma- majority of the scoring for the Lakers? Is it going to be Brooke Lopez? Do you think that you know maybe off the bench Randall's going to be doing something? Kyle Kuzma was really great in the the, the preseason. Who do you think is going to end up being their scorer? on this team that Lonzo and Ingram kind of play off of? I think it has to be Brook Lopez. I don't really – I'm not a believer in Julius Randle. I think he might not, not even be there if Kyle Kuzma plays good enough because mm-hmm. I think Randle's a free agent after this year, isn't he? Uh, I don't possibly. Think he re- they yeah, I think he's a restri- I think he's a restricted. restricted. I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think if they have Nance and Kuzma and they're supposedly going to sign LeBron and Paul George, that's what everybody keeps saying. Yeah. Ricky's on yeah, the Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen either. It, <laughs> Not when he looked at that team that played yesterday. All right, so you're, you're thinking Kuzma, uh, potentially off the bench, uh, is going to earn his spot and bump Randall out? I like it. I like it. Yeah, I th- yeah, I th- I'm, yeah, I don't like Julius Randall either. He's yeah, he's just one dimensional. His booty. But it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think Larry Nance is more than capable of being right now a starting power forward because they're not a playoff team. No, I don't think they'll be a play. They're not even close to a playoff team. Yeah. I yeah I, I don't think and I think. Yeah, I, I, Brook Lopez has to be the only scorer. I don't think Ingram's going to be – he might put up, like, 12 a game. Mm-hmm. And then Ball, if you get 10 out of him, it's fantastic. And, yeah, I think Lopez could be the 20-a-game guy. But even then, I don't think they even have a top 15, top 20 offense at that point. Well, and one thing I want to I kind of go into is the rotation because you brought it up a little bit. Larry Nance was a starter last night. Luol Deng was a starter last night. Ingram was a starter. Lopez was a starter. And Ball was a starter. I think the two guys uh, – three guys, I'm sorry, that are going to maintain starters – 
starter ship position, at least it's going to be Ball, Ingram, and Lopez. I don't think they're going to move those guys out of the, the, the starting lineup. Maybe you'll see a minutes decrease, if anything, because Ingram played 31 minutes. I don't think that's going to be uh, you know, right. a, a for sure thing. I think he, he might average around 31, but I think he's probably going to you know fluctuate up and down just like how players do. Um, but those three guys, for sure, in, in the starting lineup. So Brooks is going to play your center. Uh, Lonzo's going to play your point guard, and then Ingram can float between the two and the three. So looking at this, Jake, are you, are you for sure set on Nance being in that starting lineup? And then if you have Nance in that starting lineup, who else do you think it's going to be in there? Do you think it's going to be uh, Kuzma? Do you think it's going to be Randall? Do you think Dane's going to get some starts? Or do you think even Jordan Clarkson can make his way back in? Well, they already. I think tonight it was uh, Ball, Ingram, Lopez, Nance, and Brewer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Dane hasn't even played in the game in the first half. So, I mean... I, I think that's a decent one. I think I, I am I like Kyle Kuzma a lot. I think that he might actually crack the starting lineup by the end of the year. I think he's I think he could be better than Larry Nance, but I don't think Julius Randle will be a starter for this team. I don't think they Jordan Clarkson's better off the bench. I think, and obviously they're not going to start over Alonzo. Yeah, so, I, I like yeah. where you're going with this. I, I definitely like where you're going. <laughs> I think that um, I, I agree with you like 100. Uh, percent The the question for me is like that Nance Kuzma because I'm already in on the Kuzma hype train as well. Um, yeah. The dude's legit. He's a great shooter. I think the thing yep. is, uh, do you want to abuse like the shooting matchup? You know, when balls on the bench and you have Clarkson running uh, point, really mm-hmm. having somebody like Kuzma out there who isn't afraid to take shots and is a very good shooter. I think that advantage in the second unit is very nice. And Nance is a great complementary player as a role player in that starting unit. No, he's not going to give you you know um, a, a crazy stat line. But he's going to do the little things that matter. He reminds me of, like, what's going to be there, Taj Gibson. Like, I'm a Bulls fan, so I reference the Bulls a lot. Sorry if it's not exact, but, like, he reminds me of that kind of a player. He's going to be the glue guy. He's going to be the energy guy. Um, And I just see that, like, he's a perfect fit for, like, that starting three. I think that the fourth, or the the final spot's kind of open, though. It could be... It could be Randall. Uh, no, you don't want Randall and Nance. No, it's same. not gonna be Randall. No, it's not gonna be Randall. So, all right. So I think they, they need to find a small four, basically. So, pretty much this yeah. this whole segment's turned or, into Julius Randall bashing. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, ultimately, though, I think I think the the starting lineup at least is gonna be Lonzo Ball. I agree with you guys. Oh, KCP. Lopez, for I sure. forgot. Oh, KCP is. Injured. Oh yeah. When, when he's able yeah. to play. Um, yeah. So KCP yeah. is probably gonna be thrown on there sometimes. But even then, I don't think. It'll be the two. I don't, yeah. I don't know if he's going to be completely consistent in that, in that lineup, to be honest with you, because I, I think that you know he doesn't bring too much offense. I feel like this team is going to try to pair as many offensive players with Lonzo. I feel like yeah. the, and it's going to. I feel like he's going to play in there for sure. If that's the case, but, then you drop Kuzma at the three. Kuzma should, yeah, no, Kuzma should start because I think to make Lonzo the most effective, you need to surround him with as many shooters as you can. I, I agree. I think well, Kuzma, Kuzma's a way better fit than Nance. I, I think what we're going to see is, I think Nance, Nance is there for a reason. I think Nance is, is a guy that can be efficient offensively. I think we saw it in the first game. But I, think, I think you're going to see a, a lineup of Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, Nance, and and, and then you're going to see Lopez. Lopez. I like that. I, th- I think you're going to see yeah. a lot. It's a you know, huge lineup. It, it is a huge, huge. lineup. Yeah. Uh, but, but even then, you have a lot of speed there because Larry Nance is yeah. a very athletic yeah. big guy. Ingram, athletic. super athletic. Lonzo, super athletic. Brooke Lopez, light on his feet. Like I said, he's <laughs> jelly out there. But, he, but, but, but he, 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 does bring, he does bring a lot to, to a team. And he Brooke does. Lopez is, is, is a great player and has been a great player for a while. Um, he's just not physical. I mean, he's, he's, right. he's similar to Marcus Aldridge. Yeah. Marcus Aldridge isn't, isn't a, you know, a, a, a defensive stalwart anymore. anymore. He's, a, he's, he's a guy that's kind of you know, floppy out there. Um, they just get floppy yeah. as they're older. Um, but, I, but I think that, you know, Laker fans, that you should temper your expectations for Lonzo, for Ingram, for a little bit. But I think you're ultimately going to get there. Um, when, what are your, what's your kind of timeline for the, the Lakers if they stick to the young players, Jake? Because obviously, you know, they can go with Paul George and, and LeBron James. But say that doesn't happen, they go with this core. What do, you think is a, what do you think is a decent timeline for them to make the playoffs or at least get to, like, around 40 wins? I think it's two years. It's at least at least two years. It depends what happens to the other teams in the West too. I mean, so many things can change, but I would say at least two years until they even can consider making the playoffs. If, yeah, so, without the addition of a major free agent, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm probably two two to three years. It depends a lot on the development. Like for me, my question is going back to like Ingram and Ball. Who do you think is going to have the better year this year? And I'm honestly on the fence on that. Like really? I don't. Yeah, I'm honestly on the fence because I don't know. Like Ingram had such a uh, uh, underwhelming first year, yeah. inconsistent as all mm-hmm. get out. Like, and Ball has the potential to lead an offense, and they gave him the keys off the bat. So it's like they both have a chance, but I don't know. Uh, between the two of those, I don't know if one, like who's going to take over for this year. Jake, who do you think is going to take over, Ingram or Ball? 
At least with those Who's two players. Who's got the better year? Can I say, ni- can I say neither? No, you got to pick I one. Gotta pick one. Uh, it's a fast break podcast. Ingram, Ingram, Ingram over Ball. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Ingram too. I don't think it's I don't think it's close because I think Lonzo Ball is gonna have games and in, in, by games I think maybe ten games where he's gonna look great. Yeah. Um, and and like a, a number two overall pick, but I think there's gonna be a lot of games where he looks mediocre. I think there's gonna be a lot of games like last night where he just looks lost out there because guys are going to body him up. He's gonna see Pat Pe- Bev again, and Pat Bev's gonna get in his head again. <laughs> he's gonna see guys out there that can get in his head. If he ever plays Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart's going to bully him up. And oh, we God. all know this. If he goes up against Delhi, Delhi's going to bully him up. Brogdon's going to do the same thing to him. These guys who can play defense and can talk trash and, and can at least surround him with size and also speed. I mean, even speedy defenders, say like a Chris Paul, going to eat Lonzo up. So I feel like when he goes up against these you know very weaker teams, he's going to get eaten he, up. He can thrive against the teams like Phoenix, though, and have some good games, what you're saying. Yeah, like, I mean, of course. If you go up against a... And he might even go yeah. up against a, a decent team and have a nice night. Yeah. Uh, he might go up against the T-Wolves and have a decent night. It, it depends on, you know, it depends on what, what, what's really around him. But I think that ultimately Lonzo is going to struggle this year where Ingram can find some shots. And even when Lonzo has a good game, that's going to help Ingram because Ingram is going to be finding open shots and, and open lanes. I think ultimately Ingram's going to have a better year. Any final thoughts, Jake, for you on the Lakers that you want to throw out there? No, I mean, that basically wraps it up. Yeah, I think, I don't I, I don't even know. They're probably maybe a 31 team this year. Really? That's, that's, probably that's high. A <laughs> that's a, I said that's a stretch. I was saying that's a stretch. All right, all right. Maybe 31. Ricky but said yeah, some I mean, more scandalous things on here, so I'm not Yeah, worry. we're not even going to bust you. Yeah, Giants win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Taking shots. Dave, any final thoughts on the Lakers? Uh, no, no. I'm, I'm excited to watch them play. Like this is this is all about uh, young development, and that's what they've got the chance to do. I just hope that they can uh, package off like Randall and Dang to get the to get that contract off the books to see what they can do during this offseason. Yeah. Well, Jake, we want to thank you for joining us. We will have you on next month, and it's going to be absolutely fun yeah. if it's going to be the same way as this. We want to give a big shout out to Jake for hitting us up on Patreon. If you want to do that, head up. Patreon.com slash Most Valuable Podcast. You could be just like Jake, but Jake's, are, Jake's number one. I was say. Jake's are You born. can't replace Jake. Yeah. Jake, thank you so much, bud. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm going to ruin your night right now. Astros are up 6-1. We want to thank Jake for joining us on the last two segments, but we're moving on. We're talking about the injuries, unfortunately, that have happened over the first week in the NBA. Two very severe ones, MN1, that's going to keep a superstar out for a little bit. We're going to jump into that first off. If you didn't see it, don't watch it. Gordon Hayward is oh. out for the season and is most likely unlikely to play for this season. Maybe some hope if the Celtics go really deep in the playoffs that he possibly could come back, but I don't think they rush him. No. Gordon Hayward no. fractured his ankle, right? Um, broke his ankle. It was, you can't break an ankle. It was like tendons and then the, uh, the bone in his leg was mm-hmm. broke. Yeah, um, it, it went the wrong way. Yeah, uh, it, it was disgusting. Room. Yeah, fractured tibula and dis- dislocated left ankle. Yeah. So, Gordon Hayward messed it up. Had successful surgery, though, um, but is unlikely to play. Jeremy Lin tore his patella, right patella on his knee, went down. Very different injury from Gordon Hayward, yeah. but very it was unsettling very emotional. to watch. I mean, that was he. The, I think the worst part about that one was he knew right away. Mm. You didn't see anything physical, but when you watched the slow-mo replay, you saw what happened to his leg, and then... Everything clicked. He knew within five seconds of landing it was that his the, season was over. It was similar to the D. Rose injury. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like the Pacer one. Oh, man. I think it was similar to that where it wasn't a big injury, but D. Rose knew once he went down that it was bad. Yeah. And then Chris Paul banged up going into the season, um, and he's going to be out two to four months. The one that hurts two the four most. Two to four weeks. Two to four weeks, sorry. Two to four weeks for Chris Paul. Yeah. The one that obviously hurts the most, Gordon Hayward, since he's out of you know out for the year. Um, and also, this is Boston. He was supposed to be number one, number two behind Kyrie or with Kyrie. And they were supposed to be a playoff team. I think this hurts the most. I think we can all agree on that. But how specifically does the Gordon Hayward injury hurt Boston? It, it changes their entire offensive dynamic because this was a team where um, Kyrie, not exactly known for his ability to you know run the offense himself, because he's been fairly unproven. I mean, LeBron mm-hmm. James had been kind of there before LeBron. It was a very young team without much of an expectation out there. So really, this was going to be you know an offense shared between Horford, Kyrie, and Hayward. And honestly, Hayward would have been the focal point of that in my mind, and I think a lot of people's minds, and Brad, Brad's mind I'm assuming as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a huge blow because he was such a dynamic player. He was a good two-way player, gave you good scoring, solid rebounding, great ball in hand, like his handles was solid. So honestly, I think this changes the entire, um, I, like, the entire way the Celtics will play because now you're going back to... I almost think they want to go back to a similar style to do they go the IT route yeah. and play it off of the uh, 
Horford and Kyrie let them do pick and roll a bunch. You got a uh, second-year player in Jalen Brown, who now has a lot on his shoulders. Well, and not only Jalen Brown, but Jason Tatum. Jason now Tatum. Now Jason Tatum thrusts yeah. in, in as a starter now. Yep. I mean, this this changes every timetable and all the expectations for this team yeah. because you went from we're going to compete with the Celtics or we're going to compete with the Cavs for the Eastern Conference Championship, and if we beat them, we think we can go up against the Warriors and give them a good fight. Now it's like, are we a top four team in the East still? It, it's something that was brought up in our live stream, the fantasy football live stream for week seven, um, is that to one of the viewers that it's now no longer a, uh, the Celtics are no longer a top four team. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because you look at the structure of the East, you have the Cavs for sure, Wizards for sure, top four team. The Bucks have been very impressive so far early on and Giannis has looked ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's early on in the season. I'm not trying to discredit the Bucks. I still have them as a top five team, top four team. Right. Then again, you look at the Celtics, what they were able to do. They lost a lot, obviously changing you know the whole lineup a lot. You lose Avery, Four out of five starters. Gordon Hayward. Yeah, you lose um, so many different players on this. But you have Marcus Morris, who's going to be coming back at some point. Yep. You have players like Marcus Smart still on this team. You have Kyrie Irving, who I think is still an upgrade over Isaiah Thomas, because mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas was fat, fantastic. It's probably going to look into the kind of structure of Brad Stevens' team. But I still think Kyrie has bought in so far to Brad Stevens' look. And we saw in the first game against the Celtics, Kyrie really hasn't found his way yet. But I think Kyrie is a good enough player to at least adjust at some point. I think the biggest problem with the Celtics, if they do not, uh, if they're not a top-four team, it's not because of skill and it's not because this team isn't working on the court. I think it's just because they're going to need time to settle into their roles. Because then again, you're looking at Jason uh, Jason Tatum, rookie. You're going to rely a lot and heavily on him. Uh, with Jalen Brown, he's a guy that had a lot of pressure put onto him as a rookie year in his rookie year, but he's still going to need to develop. He's still developing before our eyes. We saw him take a lot of shots early in that Cavs yeah. game as well, over 20 shots in that game. He seems like he's able to hold that load, but if he struggles a bit, how will his reaction be? And that's something that worries me a little bit. Al Horford, soft inside, still very you know, uh, a very useful player, a guy that can oh, move yeah. the ball, score, not a great rebounder, but that's the reason why I have Aaron Baines in there. But again, I don't know if this bench is deep enough for the Celtics to kind of handle this loss of Gordon Hayward because, you know, Kyrie's a great player, but I don't know if the bench behind him, the depth behind him is deep enough. Well, the, I think the question is, you know, where's that scoring going to come from? Because Jalen Brown is uh, effective while driving to the hoop, and mm-hmm. he's very good there. Uh, the question is, you know, the outside shot, it's hit or miss. Uh, still a lot to be proven there. Like I said, Jason Tatum, just unproven. I mean, he's looked very sharp at times. Um, and offensively, that's my question, because like, without Hayward out there, you really have kind of a hole at, at the 2-3. So it's the question of two young kids being pushed into starter minutes, and then, honestly, I think Marcus Smart, is he, he looks really good out there. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing for him is, though, is he's got to just... His shooting preferences. Like, he's well, got to realize when is the time to shoot and he, when he needs to pass the ball. He's not a scorer, for sure, and I think we all know that. And, but and he doesn't. <laughs> At all times, he does And when we saw a couple spurts <laughs> in the last season of the postseason, he went off once um, and, and in college, he was a scorer. But I think the, the yeah. scoring is really going to rely on not only Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but at least off the bench, it's going to rely a lot on Terry Rozier. Ooh. A guy that... Um, Danny Ainge did not want to trade at all, did not want to you know, include in, in, into trade talks, but he's a guy so far, through three, three games, averaging 12 points off the bench, has had two nice games back-to-back against Milwaukee, 50% shooting, 54% shooting tonight against the 76ers. You look from threes, mulling around 50%. I mean, mm-hmm. if Terry Rozier can do this, I think it's a really nice piece off the bench. It's going to be interesting to see how Marcus Smart plays off of Rozier, but you know, yeah. this is going to be two guys that similarly are going to have to kind of fill a role that you know, Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley filled last year. And I don't think they're, you know, Terry Rozier is going to do what defensively Avery Bradley did. And I don't think scoring-wise he's going to do what Avery Bradley do- did. But I think that you're going to at least, you know, see some improvement there, at least some, you know, uh, uh, contributions there. And I think ultimately this Celtics team can bounce back. I think if they go up against the Raptors, I think if they go up against the Wizards, they can give them some trouble. I don't know if they're going to win it, but I think this is easily still a top-five team Do you think the they're a 47-win team? Oh, that's 44, 43, okay. 40, 43 to 47, probably. Okay. I think they're in that range. They're going to win over 40 games. Yeah, I think, I think it's still, still a well-coached team. You still yeah. have two all-stars on there. You still, um, have, you still have a decent bench. You yeah, Rizier, I, I, think, I think the physicality from Baines, honestly, like yeah. I was incredibly frustrated watching him. Um, just uh, watching that Cavs game, he really is physical, and I think that's fantastic because that adds an edge. And when Morris gets back, I want to see those two on the court, like not on the court necessarily at the same time, but just 
what they add to this team changes the dynamic, and that's what I'm encouraged to see. All around, I think it's a solid team. I think they're pegged for at 45 for me right now without Hayward. Um, I think Kyrie's assist numbers on the first night was kind of an anomaly. Like, 11 assists is not what I would expect out of him yeah. every night. Um, but I also don't expect him around four. I think him to I sit think, around six I think or seven. Six and a half, yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty pretty fair bet. But 45-win team, probably. Um, I think the biggest thing is that they just need to adjust to the loss, and, and we'll see how they do. But yeah. I, I think I think it's the biggest... You think biggest... Terry Rozier, though, is your guy who's going to come out of this smelling mm, like roses? No, Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum's going to... I think Jason Tatum's going to... After Gordon Hayward went down, I said Jason Tatum's going to win the rookie of the year. Um, and I think that's still going to stick, unless Ben Simmons goes off, which he's been going off. But I think Jason Tatum has the ability and been put in the situation and in an offense where he can thrive. And I think Jason Tatum's going to come off um, smelling like Rosen's out of this. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Gordon Hayward comes back into this now um, after the injury. But let's move on to another season ender. Um, Jeremy Lin coming off an injury last year, you know, signed by the Brooklyn Nets, a guy that you absolutely love, played yep. 25 minutes in that game and then goes down with the injury, driving to the basket. Um, what is really the biggest loss? Is it the fact that Jeremy Lin's not going to be playing this year, or is it going to be how Jeremy Lin's loss doesn't or affects the, the Nets? So is it going to be Jeremy Lin personally, or is it going to be the, the loss of the Nets and how it affects their team? I mean, it's a two-parter. I think Jeremy Lin on the Nets, on the court, is fantastic, and it was a great fit. It was, he, he was a good mentor for D'Angelo Russell, to yeah. be honest, 100%. And he can, the, the upside is he can do that from the sideline. Mm-hmm. Him being around Jer- him being around D'Angelo Russell is a bonus. That's absolutely something you want. Jeremy Lin has played uh, on, like, five different teams, and his, he's went from bottom to the bottom to insane in New York. He's and then, a seven-year vet. And, and that's the thing. It's like he's, he's got that experience. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's got a, an amazing play style that I think D'Angelo has something to learn from. Yeah. The downside of him being out again is he's 29. This is a pretty serious injury. He is one of the quickest players. In the NBA, his first step is second only to John Wall. And I have to wonder at 30 when he comes back if he's all the way back to start next season. And again, this injury, it depends, you know, where your athleticism will go. And there's been, you know, reports of people who've had similar injuries. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. It seems like about 70% of the time they get their athleticism back after a year. So I like... I'm going to put my odds with him. He's done nothing but surprise people. He's beat the odds every step of the way. I think he will return. Honestly, the Cavs, like, I hate to be an asshole, but they lucked out. Yeah. Like, they're going to get a better pick because Jeremy Lin's not there. Because last year, Jeremy Lin on the Nets, they, they were almost a borderline playoff team. And without him, no. They're, they were dumpster. But at least, you know, you do have someone to fall back now with D'Angelo Russell, and it's not, you know, a garbage hole yeah. back there. I think Shane Larkin was our starter for most of the year after Jalen went out. But at least looking at Jalen's contract, he does have a player option, most likely going to opt in with the Nets next year, and hopefully mm-hmm. he can bounce back, and we wish the best for him. But at least D'Angelo Russell, he popped off for 30 in the first game, went for 17 in the next game. D'Angelo Russell's been efficient from the field. Do you think that D'Angelo Russell, do you think D'Angelo Russell's going to make the Lakers regret trading him after what you've seen so far? As much on the as Nets? possible. I, I think the thing because is. Because now he's going to take even a bigger role with yeah, Jalen out. Exactly. He, he will be uh, a potential all star in the East this year. I think, mm-hmm. because of Jeremy Lin being out and him being the focal point of that team. Um, I don't re- Regret's hard to base for the fan base because a lot of them knew that they were, what they were losing out on of a potential star in him. The big thing is, you know, Magic decided Lonzo Ball's direction. Lonzo Ball is going to be, um, what, what do you say, future. a future and a leader in the locker yeah. room, and that's something that he didn't see in D'Angelo. So I think D'Angelo's still young. I think calling someone a leader at 20 is hard. So I think that Regret maybe some of them already do. I just think that he's gonna play his he's gonna play his mind out. Like he's gonna be awesome. He's hopefully gonna be an all star uh, this year. Yeah. The one thing you, at least you yeah. do is you traded him to the East and you got rid of the Moscow contract. Let's move on to a, a proven leader though. In Chris Paul, he's gonna be out for two to four weeks with a bruised left knee. Um, people are speculating that's gonna be more towards that four weeks mark. He's gonna be out for towards a month. Um, how much do you think this hurts? the Rockets, and not really on the court, because this is still a team that last year with a similar core, um, obviously losing Pat Bev and like five or six players, but you yep. still have the you know similar core starting and you still have Eric Gordon off the bench. Um, how much do you think at least this will hurt the bonding of Chris Paul and this starting lineup? Because this is something where it took a while for them, at least in this Warriors game, especially with Chris Paul hurt, yeah. to really get going and, and bonding together. And now with him being out for a month, I think it's really going to hurt them. Do you feel the same way? I... I, I'm actually on the other end. I think that, honestly, if he returns back, and I want to make sure I emphasize healthy, and that's the thing, is you don't rush him back at this point. No. You understand that like he was already out there not at 100%. 
that's a problem. You don't need to do that. This is October still. Like, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here. I honestly think if he returns healthy, he already knows, um, you know, the shots. He knows the guys in the system. He's going to bond with them off the court. I think the play style will flow. I'm not super afraid of, you know, the, this time out. I think we're going to see the same uh, Rockets team we saw last year, basically. Like you said, the majority of the core is still there. I very, very low concerns for his time out. I think this Rockets team will continue to succeed. I think when he comes back, be reintegrated. Um, but take your time on that. Like, there is no rush, absolutely, I want to emphasize. Yeah, and I think the one thing is that I think this team is going to struggle a little bit, but not too much just because they don't have as deep as a bench last year and the way that they run. These guys are going to get tired. Um, Ooh, but I don't yeah. think that it's really going to be a huge threat to the Rockets and how they're going to perform on the court. I just think that the one thing I worry about is even though Chris Paul and James Hardy, Harden are, are buddy buddies, mm-hmm. um, I still think that it's going to hurt this team at least bonding and coming together because James Harden wants the ball in his hands, and when you give him the ball for a month straight, he's going to be used to it. And even though James Harden is probably all about winning and all about bringing Chris Paul to this team, when you have an ego and at least being a superstar like James Harden is, I'm not saying he shouldn't have an ego, yeah. but at least being the caliber of player that he is, hey, saying, hey, Chris Paul's back, you got to take up some of your time, your usage is going to go down. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit salty. I feel like you know James Harden really isn't going to show that on the court but it at least might affect the Rockets a little bit. And I think I don't think it's a killer. I don't think it's anything that's going to hurt the Rockets in the long term. I think they're going to be fine in the playoffs. I'm glad this er- ha- injury happened early. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is you got to keep Chris Paul healthy so that he can continue to mold once he comes back from the injury. Yeah, I know you mentioned the usage. I didn't even think about that because James Harden, you know, you don't want to burn him out. That's mm-hmm. you, you have your 1A, your 1B basically at, at that position. But you've got to keep Harden on a, I don't want to say minutes restriction because that's silly, but like you have to keep your eye on him. Don't let him run himself to death. And then the other thing is the turnovers that he just, yeah. you know, he, he's a turnover machine. He's a monster. And that's one thing where Chris Paul, even though he's banged up, I don't think he had a turnover. No. And that Warriors game, <laughs> he was which clean. is ridiculous. Um, but anyways, tell us what you think about the injuries down in the comments below. Are the Boston Celtics screwed without Gordon Hayward? Do you feel bad for Jalen? My heart goes out to him. I feel yeah, so bad I, for him. That video was, that, that was crushing. And Chris Paul and the Rockets, how much do you think the at least chemistry on that team will be affected? Let us know down in the comments below. But anyways, we're moving on. We're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo MVP talk. And looking at this, there's obviously a lot going on. We mentioned him in our top five candidates for MVP. We only had him at four um, looking at he this. He's my dark horse, though. He was your dark horse. And look at him so far. He's been absolutely stupid. Bucks are one and one. One against the Celtics, one against, uh, lost against the Cavs tonight. But Giannis has been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 34 tonight against Cleveland in a loss. 37 against Boston in a win. 13 rebounds against Boston, 3 assists against Boston, 3 steals against Boston. Then you look at the Cavs, uh, 34 points, like I mentioned, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 block, and 3 steals. He's been ridiculous. He's also been super efficient, 68% from the field against Cleveland, and 59 against Boston. It's ridiculous what he's doing so far. Dave, even if they aren't a top four team, and and they and maybe if they're Nothing's not even a top, proven. Yep. and maybe if they're not even a top three team in, in the NBA. Or, I'm sorry, in, in, in the, the Eastern East. Conference, Conference, do you yeah. think Giannis putting up numbers like this, not numbers like this, because I think he's <laughs> going to come down, and maybe you don't think he's going to come down, but do you think he can be MVP this year? Yeah. yeah fuck yeah, he can be. Is I mean, can he be the front runner, though, throughout the entire of the year? Because Russ fr- came in pretty much as the yeah, front Yeah, Bro- Brody dropped a triple double on the opener. Um, it's really hard to disagree with like him continuing to do that, even with two superstars yeah. on that team. Bonkers. Uh, but what Giannis can do is he affects the entire game. And that is something special. I think if he averages, you know, even if it comes down to reality, he's not Superman. If he puts up, you know, 28, mm-hmm. 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, well, yeah. This is a guy that, you know, I mean, again, it's. it's He's got like a seven, seven wingspan, eight yeah. foot wingspan. But with his, his quickness, his ability, his wingspan, and his just <laughs> height, I mean, this is a guy that can average possibly a half a block, half a steals per game, be a guy that's that, yeah. in, in contention for defensive player of the year yep. while putting up 28 points per game, while putting up eight to nine rebounds per game, and adding the fact that you're having like eight, seven and a half assists per game. Giannis is ridiculous. I just worry about the only thing that, you know, people look at sometimes, you know, mostly it's the best player on the best team yep. wins the most valuable, po- uh, most valuable <laughs> podcast. Most valuable player. See, this is what happens when you talk about MVP so long on the fucking channel. Um, <laughs> win most valuable player. 
it's because they're the best player on the best team. But I think the Warriors kind of screwed that over because you don't know who the best player is on the best team, and there's so many players on that team that are valuable and really defines what is valuable to that team. Mm -hmm. What does that team need to be great? We really don't know. So then it defaults to players like, you know, LeBron, who's not on the best team, but is the best player in the NBA. But then again, LeBron wins it so many damn times. So what does LeBron, or Giannis need to separate himself from guys like Steph, Kevin Durant, um, LeBron? And we'll throw in Russ because Russ, you know, kind of changed the whole narrative by doing something that hasn't been done since the 70s. Yeah. Um, what does Giannis need to do to kind of separate himself from the pack? Honestly, it's, it's continued to be a two-way player because that's something special that you don't see out of everyone. I mean, you get you get occasions where, you know, players like Kawhi Leonard is, like, the standard. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's up there, but not as good offensively. He's not a focal point anymore now that he's on the Timberwolves. So you look at a player like Giannis, who is the one, and Jabari's out, so you are the one for half the season, probably. I mean, this is... He has such a, a, a chance here to set himself apart from everybody else. I mean, by the time Jabari comes back, he might be, like, the default option left. Like, he set himself so far apart from the field. Uh, the biggest thing for him, continue being a two-way player, and the other thing is they have to win games. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like, you can be, you can have these ridiculous stat lines. He dropped 34, 8, 8, 3, and 1, and still lost. Sorry, if you're, if you're, not, a, if you're not a top, I, I want to say a top six team in the East, there's zero chance to get an MVP. I know your, your uh, argument for best player, best team, yeah. roughly has been the standard. I think if, and in this weekend East, if you're not even like competing as a top team in the playoffs, you're really a long shot. Well, and the thing that I want to mention, it's kind of inconsistent in the fast break as a running joke, is you know this team is negative when, when Giannis is on the court. And he is great defensively, but then again, this team seems to be dragged down for some reason when he is out on the court. And at least, you know, I'm not saying that Giannis is the reason the Bucks are losing games. I'm not, you know, going that far. But you look at this Cavs game, and yes, the Cavs put up a ton of, a ton of points going up against LeBron James, going up against one of the best teams in the East. But yeah, it was sitting at a minus, uh, negative 17 out here. And he, was, he had the worst plus minus out of any player on the court. You look, Brogdon was a, a minus 15, Monroe was a minus 15. But minus 17 was the worst out on the court for the Bucks. He played the most minutes, 39, mm-hmm. for this team. But still, there's something to say and something that continues where, you know, hey, if this, if you're out on the court and your team's negative, how can you be the most valuable player? And that's the one thing that I look to yeah. is that, you know, he might be putting up stats. He might be loading it up. And he is a fantastic player. I'm not denying that. But I think there's something to say that if you're losing games and you're in the negative, that's got to go for something. I don't think yeah. any MVP has ever been in the negative no. and won MVP. No, I, I 100% agree with you. And it's it's a matter of the fact that he's playing, <clears throat> he's playing with a bunch of guys who are honestly role players. You have to admit, like right now, Tony Snell is a role player. Thon Maker is a role player. Chris Middleton should be better than a role player. He's not Chris a role Middleton player. Chris Middleton is underperforming. Okay, dude, it's two games. It's, I know, but that's all we get to work with. You can also with. say Giannis is overperforming because Giannis is not averaging Giannis like is Superman right now. Eight, nine, whatever he's doing right now. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, it's early on in the season. We I know, know what Chris Middleton can bring. Chris Middleton can be a very high... You know, you two. think he's going to average, you know, 18 points a game? Yes, he's 20 done points it a before. Game? I'm just he's saying this year, I before. don't know. I don't know, and that's the thing is, you need... That's fine. That's fine. You can you can bitch all you want, but like... I'm not bitching. It's two games. But when you line up is against Joel, good teams... All right, fine. Is Joel Embiid going to average only 11 points a game? That's what he's done so far for two games. Well, in, in 20 minutes, yes. So if you play him out there for 30 oh, minutes, let's put him more. I hate you so saying. much. Uh, point being... When you go up there with Brogdon, Snell, Thunmaker, Chris Milton as your four guys outside of Giannis versus, mm-hmm. oh, LeBron James, uh, Kevin Love, Dwayne Wade, even though Wade's washed up, you know, it, the whole point is the, it doesn't match up well. You have Giannis, who is a far and away the best player on this team. Uh, Jabari obviously would be second if healthy, and Chris Milton in that mix at third. That's great, but like, the difference between <laughs> this Bucks team and their depth of talent mm-hmm. versus every other playoff team in the East is hefty right now. So that that's my concern is, like you said, plus minus negative. Yes, there's a bunch of advanced stats out there too that will argue that, you know, well, extremely valuable. Is he, you know, the linchpin to this team or is it just because he can shine so bright because no one else can step up? I mean, I don't want to go as far back as like the horrible Michael Carter-Williams rookie year on the... 76ers, where you just get volume because you are the only option. Yeah. But some of these stats but, could be inflated. I know he's a phenomenal player, but yes. But even then, with Mark Carl Williams and just him getting the rookie of the year there, 
I mean, there was no other options. It's not like there's He's, no other options for MVP. Right. No, no, I understand. I'm just saying as far as the, how to fill out a stat line. Yeah. Why does he Why does he stand out so much? Because if you don't watch the games, you just see a stat line, it's like, holy crap, this guy does everything. You watch the game, and you really see how he changes how the game is played around him. And I think that's what makes him special to, like, the the, aver- the above-average fan in the NBA, I want to say. Because um, if you watch him play, it is different. It's different than staring at a stat line and being like, damn, that's impressive. It's holy shit, this guy is something special. Yeah. And I think that's where he'll kind of draw in more fans. Over time, he's getting more attention. And that's hopefully how he will win over the fan base for the MVP. Without a doubt. If he's not a superstar already, at least in, you know, I'm, I'm not saying like superstar, like number one on a team. I'm saying more but, like superstar in yeah. the eyes of the media. If he's yep. not already, I think this is his year definitely to come out and do that. But I don't know if that means MVP for Giannis. But tell us what you think in the comments down below. Do you think that Giannis is going to be an MVP? Because, again, we bring up points that he's going to stuff the stat lines. He's going to look ridiculous out there. He might be the best two-way player this year in the NBA. But then again, the plus-minus is something to worry about, and the record is something to worry about. So let us know if Giannis is going to be the MVP this year, because he's definitely going to be in contention. Can he keep up these numbers? I mean, is he going to put up, you know, 30 a night, 28, 25? He's gonna be. A, it's gonna be a big jump. Is he going for MIP again? Drop a stat line in the, in the comments as well. Yeah. Drop a stat line. Drop a like and hit that subscribe button as well if you're on YouTube. And also, if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, thank you so much. We want to give a shout out to Blog Talk Radio again. They pimped us out on Twitter, so want nice. to give a shout out to them. So if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, gave us a download. Big thanks to you guys over there. We also want to give a huge shout out to Jake for being a patron and jumping on for two segments. He killed it. He was awesome <laughs> on those two segments. Ricky is not back yet, and I know a lot of people have been clamoring in the comments. We only have two wireless mics. We want to get Ricky on a podcast. We will sooner rather than later. And yep. big shout-out to Ricky for editing this. But for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.